Our next program, My Better Half, shines a light on mid- or late-life reinventions. Today, JPR's Vanessa Finney speaks with Sarah Doré, a tea shop owner training to be a death doula. Sarah says, strange as it sounds, it's an exciting time for death. Sarah explains what she means by that and why she chose this path. This is My Better Half on the Jefferson Exchange. I'm Vanessa Finney. This series explores how people are changing and thriving in midlife and beyond. Today, my guest is Sarah Doré, a successful business person in Ashland who's now going through an important career transition from the owner of a popular tea and spice shop to death doula. Sarah, welcome to My Better Half. Thank you. So before we get into the changes you're going through, describe your current situation, why you wanted to be in this business and how meaningful it was to you. Um, So the shop right now is, it's the Spice and Tea Exchange in Ashland. We took over the last two years of the contract for the business and it's just coming to an end and we've opted not to renew in the state of the world that we're in right now, felt like the better option. Um, But it has opened up this whole opportunity to pursue something I've been passionate about for about five years and really, uh, really excited for the opportunity. Well, it's wonderful you have something kind of mentally lined up for it. So you're not going through that crisis that some people have when, uh, you know, certain chapters end. So your next chapter is as Death Doula, which is kind of having a moment. NPR just did a big story on it this month. And apparently, just awareness of the concept has grown yeah. since the pandemic. Yeah. So, educate us, first of all, on what it means to be a death doula. For example, you know, how is it different from, say, a hospice nurse, which yeah. is something we might be more familiar with? Yeah. It's um, similar in the timeline of presence with people that are dying, but it is more of the non medical component. So, I've heard it described and love this as uh, we have time where a lot of medical staff is actually um, very strapped on time. They're there for a very specific short assessment or to do whatever clinical work they need to do where we have time to sit and get to know the individual and the family and their particular experience. But we also help them kind of plan out the end of life. Um, So what is it that you want your, your services to look like? Where do you want your body to go? Do you want cremation? Do you want to be buried in a casket? Do you want to be donated? All of those options come into play in all those conversations. So it's more about um, really assessing what the last part of a person's life looks like, what it can be, what they want it to be, their goals, and then also helping the family go through the process of grief and be free to actually spend time with the person that they're um, that's dying, you know, so they can be there and be present as much as possible without the the burden of all the other stuff that comes with a death. It is so much. And we're so in the dark. You know, it's such a it's a paradox because it's the most common thing that we can count on. And yet we stuff down the feelings we have or we, you know, try to avoid it. And I I read this wonderful quote about a dying woman who did have a death doula. And she said um, that she hoped the way she was dying would be her final gift to her children. What do you think she meant by that? You know, that presence and that different quality of the end of life. I think in this capacity of it, we don't really think about um, just all that goes into a person dying. There's so much paperwork and so much as far as planning um, what to do with the body, getting Social Security stuff settled, like all of the documentation, all of the bureaucracy of dying. There's so much that goes into it that we don't really think about till we're faced with it. So I would imagine for her, 
there would be this component of having all of those affairs settled ahead of time. Um, the financial aspect of it, like all of those things that really burden the family at the end of life um, as they're trying to process their grief, not really having the full space and capacity to do that because they're so weighed down by all of these other things that come into play. Right. God, that's such an important role. Um, what experience do you have this? Do you have in this field? Have yeah. you had um, much training beforehand, or is it something that you're just yeah. embarking on? So I used to work in memory care. I was the um, night shift medical technician, so I I did medications for the people that were in my um, care, uh, and so I had two buildings that I took care of. And at night, it seems pretty common that that's the time people um, leave the world. So I had a lot of experience sitting bedside with people as they were passing. Some of it, well, one of them was, the first was horrific and really hard, but everyone that came after was so incredibly peaceful and just really beautiful and such a, I would say, honor to be present for and not what I had ever imagined death would be like. Can you um, go into that a little more deeply? Because... You know, I just recently picked up a book called Grieving Mindfully, something yeah. like that. And because for most of us, the impulse is, you know, it's shocking or it might seem ugly yeah. or, you know, something we want to avoid, kind yeah. of run from. But you have leaned into it. Yeah. So is part of the reason you're doing, you're going that direction is that you saw the piece that's possible or? Yeah, I would say, so like I said, that first experience was really awful. And I had been, I wasn't present when my grandmother passed away, but I was in the room after and it was awful as well um, because I didn't know what to expect. So after that first one, I was kind of thrust into the experience, I would say. Um, everyone that came after, there was a process of, I, I was aware what the body went through. Um, I knew what to expect as far as a body shutting down. So that part, which I think is scary to watch if you don't know what to expect. Um, so no longer being afraid of that component of it. And then watching as I would say several of the people I watched pass, there was a moment towards the end where if they weren't heavily medicated, um, there was a connection with something outside of themselves that it seemed like they were communicating with someone outside of themselves. My grandfather, for instance, when he died, um, he very much was talking to my grandmother. He was talking to um, his granddaughter. There were names that came up that were really unexpected and really beautiful. And so there is something there that happens. And to be able to witness that and um, sit with it without the fear of what's happening to the body, it was really incredible. So sitting without fear, is that, yeah. uh, would you find yourself counseling families surrounding dying people sort of in that way? So in that work, it was very rare that families were present on maybe two occasions. And the number that I did were their family members present. Usually they chose not to be present, um, which was challenging <laughs> from the caregiver perspective. Um, I would say with my family, it was very much... Um, yeah, there was a, a a moment of, you know, we had to decide like what process to take with my grandfather. It was a very challenging passing. But in general, I think it just depends on the scenario and the ones that I've been present for so far. Um, it's been very rare that family has been present. It's mm, a shame. You're listening to My Better Half on the Jefferson Exchange. I'm Vanessa Finney, and my guest today is death doula in training, Sarah DeRay who says our culture is ready for a massive shift in how we approach death. 
So, Sarah, part of your role is to support the dying and their families make one of the most important transitions any of us will ever make. And you're making a transition, too. You're sort of seeing the death of what's been your livelihood for years. And you're changing your identity in a way. Are you finding the support and encouragement that you need for this? Yeah, it's been incredible. So my partner is probably the most supportive person I've ever met to everybody. He's <laughs> he's kind of all about like, if you have a dream, like what can we do to make that happen? That's always kind oh. of been his approach, as long as I've known him anyway. Mm. Um, so just in him, I've had a lot of support and my friends and family who you know, have been with me on this journey for long enough, have known that this is a, a path I've been on for a long time and have had to put it away for years. Mm. <laughs> so there's a lot of support there, but I've, I've been blown away at the community support and just um, uh, people coming into the shop that we're having the conversation of, yeah, this is the last, you know, we're in the last week now, but up until this, like anytime we have the conversation, the question comes up, what are you doing next? I've been just blown away at the support from the community and their excitement for it and the conversations around the need for it and the conversations around their own experiences with loved ones dying and and the the wish they had that someone had been present with them as well. Right. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful for you. It, it sounds so validating because yeah. people don't always have that. You know, it's this Maybe this dirty little secret in their head. I I want out of my current situation or or something less drastic. Just that you have this aspiration, and you've gotten so much feedback. So that's yeah. wonderfully encouraging. Um, uh, do you have any role models as a death doula? Because that's something that can be really useful when somebody's in, when anyone is changing a vocation. Yeah, I would say in the death doula world, um, there. So the organization I'm going through that I'm doing my training through is called Going With Grace. Um, the woman that started it, her name is Elua Arthur. Um, she is very findable. You can find videos of her giving like TED Talks and things on YouTube. She, I, she's, on, she's showing up on everything. It's awesome. But her story is incredible. And she was very inspiring when it came time to like kind of figure out the next steps of the path after the shop closed. Um, I came across her stuff and that was massive. That's been a massive component of the journey. But I would say anyone that's like following their dreams, that's always been my big heart. Like, so Van Gogh, like man who, (laughs) you know, lived life for his family. He did what his family wanted him to do. And when his father passed away, took up painting and in eight years created some of the most incredible masterworks we've seen, you know, so people like that, that have really followed their path um, against all odds. Those have been kind of beacons for you. Absolutely. (laughs) How would you encourage other people that are sort of going through midlife or even late life reinventions? Find a role model if you can. You know, not everybody has the, you've kind of had this platform with your store because the community comes in, it's just this natural outpouring of uh, their supportive reactions. But what would you say? Would you say seek out those people? Or? I would say, yeah, but I think a lot of it is within yourself. I was This question has actually had me quite hung up. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of role models, they only get you so far. Like they've only gotten me so far. There's been a lot of like facing my own stuff <laughs> and like mm-hmm. needing to dig deep in myself and like find the thing that really makes my heart the most full, the most happy, the most, um, which sounds weird talking about death to find happiness in that, but 
there's just something so powerful in the the work of um, helping other people find fullness of life in the process of dying, which is a weird concept, but that's where I would say just whatever it is that brings life, like that idea of digging deep and finding the thing that you are passionate about that really does move your heart, I think that's the most important thing, and that is the thing that really does drive us forward. Mm. Yeah, wise words there. I think that makes perfect sense. And going back to that woman who said um, that it's the final gift that she's leaving to her children yeah. just to demonstrate a, a gracious, noble way to leave this earth. So to be a part of that, it's not uh, you know simple, happy cheer. It's it's the joy that comes from being a part of something meaningful. Yeah. 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 What emotions came up for you when you realized your current chapter was probably ending? Did you have any trepidation about making a change? Uh, you're 41 now. Yeah. No, I was um, pretty terrified. <laughs> <laughs> there was a pretty good uh, period of time. I would say the following three months were full of a lot of conversations around what's next or, you know, like, where do I go from here? Just different ideas. And um, again, having a wonderfully supportive partner, he encouraged me to take time and not panic, which is yeah. always great. Um, and then it was weirdly um, a dream I had that um, someone I really care about, it was like 10 years in the future, this person passed away and um, I was taken to the afterlife with them and kind of got to see it was such a weird dream. And then like... I would say within a week, that's where I found the video, the YouTube video with Elua Arthur. And it was just such a like confirmation. And this, like I said, is something I've wanted to do for about five years. So having it crop back up in such a huge way, it was just all arrows were pointing at this thing. So there was a period of time of panic, but very quickly came back around to this is, it's time. It's time to go for this thing. Yeah. That's good to hear. There's a point, there's kind of a magic that happens when logic and your intuition, you know, yeah. something subconscious <laughs> like a dream kind of meld and you just know with such a sureness. Yeah. So Sarah Dore, thanks for talking with me today. And thank you for helping our culture along with the way we process loss and grief. You've been listening to My Better Half on the Jefferson Exchange. I'm Vanessa Finney. You can hear this and other episodes on our podcast page. It's under the Listen tab at IJPR.org.